You're listening to a message from Mercy Culture Church, home of Pastor Landon and Heather Schott in Fort Worth, Texas. For more information about Mercy Culture and ways that you can be a part of it, visit mercyculture.com. This morning, if you want my notes, you can text notes to the number that comes on the screen. And this is the most notes I've ever had in the history of any message I've ever preached. I spent three times as long developing this message of the average message. I've been working on this for over a year. And I believe that this is a, a prophetic warning, a warning, an alarm right now in our nation. And so uh, I would encourage you to take uh, text notes. There's going to be more in the notes than I'll even be able to cover this morning. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 19. How many are ready for the Word of God? Beginning in verse 9, it says, There he came, Elijah, to a cave and lodged in it. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, and he said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10. He said, I've been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts. For the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed the prophets with the sword. And I, even I, am only one left. And they seek my life to take it away. Let's jump down to verse 18. God responds to his prayer and rant. God said, yet I have 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, in every mouth that has not kissed him. I came to tell you this morning, we are not in a cultural war. We are in a spiritual war. The title of this message this morning is Back to Baal, a spiritual warfare message. Let's pray. So Lord, we declare right now that your word is true. Let every man be a liar. We declare your word is a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. Father, we hide your word in our heart that we will not sin against us. Holy Spirit, I ask you to breathe upon your Logos written word and I pray it would become alive. Let it become rhema right now. Holy Spirit, would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us minds to understand? Would you give us hearts to receive what your spirit is saying today to your church? Lord, we declare today no spirit but the Holy Spirit is welcome here. So we say spirit of fear, you must go. Every distracting witchcraft spirit, we laugh at your attempts to distract God's people. We say you're not welcome here, but we say, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. This is the house that mercy built. So we say, come and fill your house. Father, I thank you right now. Nobody came to hear me. We all came to hear you. So we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. And all God's people say, amen. And amen. We are stewarding a prophetic word on dunamis. Strengthening and fortifying our faith. All year long we've been talking about these uh, strategic, doctrinal, foundational issues to our, to our faith. Please put up the graphic of the, of the year outline. We have been strategically going through different topics all year long. This is really important. This is why you shouldn't miss church. Because when you miss church, you are missing key components that the Lord has told your spiritual leaders to, to be depositing in you. And so... We've been stewarding this word and, and building up our faith, not only spiritually, but in our faith with our, our, our doctrine and our theology. And then throughout the year, the Lord told us to, to preach on some, some topics of spiritual warfare. And so there's been multiple spiritual warfare messages that we've put in through the year. So we're taking a break this week on wearing dunamis, the, 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 the theme that we've been in, and I'm teaching on spiritual warfare. Someone say spiritual warfare. Now, before I begin, I want to make sure that everybody's very clear on something, and that's that Jesus loves you. 
He died on the cross for you. He has already proven his love for you. And so sometimes when we're in sermons or messages like this, there could be confusion, there could be misunderstandings, and people can leave with some things not clear. So I want to, before I even preach this message, I want to make it crystal clear that God loves your stinking guts. Did you hear what I said? And a lot of times people confuse when their pastor preaches about biblical issues or spiritual warfare issues or sin issues, like your pastor doesn't like you or something. I mean, I got trolled this week on my sermon. I haven't even preached the sermon yet. I'm used to getting trolled after I preach a sermon. But this is the first time I got trolled even before I preached the sermon. And, and so I wanted to make sure that everybody was aware how much God loves you. He sent Jesus to die for you. Listen, if you're struggling with any kind of gender identity, any kind of sexual perversion, any form of homosexuality, any of that, I want to let you know that you are welcome here, that God loves you, that we love you. I'm just not changing my message for you. And I got to help. Because this 1130 crowd brings some, some unsafe folk in. And that's okay. But there's this confusion that you think church is about you. Now let me help you. There's been this bad philosophy that's made its way into the church. That church is for reaching the lost. And let me help you. See, a group of people got together and they're like, listen, hey, uh, so many people get saved on Sunday mornings and this is when majority of people get saved and so church services should be about reaching the lost. So let's build entire seeker, user-friendly churches to just win the lost. But here's the problem. Church is not for you. Church is for the Lord. So we gather to worship the Lord. We gather to serve him. So then he says this. He says, now when you come and worship me, I want you to pray, I want you to worship, and I want you to teach the word. New Testament teaches us to teach the word. So then the, the, the church is to equip the saints, watch, to take the word out and win the lost. But the great commission, this is important, the great commission is not for you to go to church. The Great Commission is for you to be the church and win the loss. So watch this. You have thought that my job is your job. Or your job is my job. Your job is to win the lost. My job is to equip you as saints. Are you hearing? Because here's what I will get 20 posts this week and they're, they're going to say, you're not very loving. That message isn't going to reach someone. It's not supposed to reach outside. The message is supposed to teach and equip you. Are you understanding me? So if you are away from God, if you're living in sin, if you don't know God, I want you to know he loves your stinking guts. And he died on the cross because he loves you so much. That's the message of the gospel. It's not because you earned it or deserved it is because he's so merciful. He died to take your place. He suffered the consequences of your sin so you could have eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. That's the gospel. But today I'm teaching on spiritual warfare. So today I'm going to equip the church to be the church. Are you with me? This morning I'm going to cover what spiritual warfare is. What is spiritual warfare? Spiritual warfare 
is spiritual opposition to the will of God through the help of evil spirits. I'll say it again. Spiritual warfare is spiritual opposition to the will of God through the help of evil spirits. And I talk to too many undiscerning Christians that think spiritual warfare is in foreign countries, but not America. Or the worst is the churchgoer that says ridiculous statements like, I don't want to be over spiritual. So you want to be under spiritual or you just want to be carnal? So, so, so let, let, let me help you for a second. If you are a follower of Jesus, just wave your hand at me like this. If you're a follower, if you claim Jesus as your Lord and Savior, wave your hand like, okay. So, so with a little bit of theological discrepancies, in general, you believe the Holy Spirit impregnated a teenage girl who gave birth to God in the flesh, who was all God and all man. He lived for 33 years. He never sinned, but he died on the cross for your sins and mine. He conquered sin, death, and the grave. He rose from the dead. He ascended to heaven and one day is coming back for his bride. You believe something really close to that, but you don't want to be over spiritual. So why did our spirituality stop at salvation? And then all of a sudden we stop being spiritual. Turn to your neighbor and say, warfare is real. Turn to your second choice and say, warfare is real. Here's what the Bible says. Our flesh, our, our, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, 12, but against the rulers or principalities, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers, present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. So let me help you with spiritual warfare. It's really, really simple. If you are obeying God, you're winning in spiritual warfare. If you are disobeying God, you're losing in spiritual warfare. It's that simple. When we obey God, we win. When we disobey God, we lose. This morning, I want to point out what I'm calling the dark trinity of idolatry. When I talk about idolatry, we're talking about the beginning of time where Scripture warns us that God alone wants to be worshipped. And that if we worship anything else, it becomes idolatry. So Satan fell from heaven because he wanted to be worshipped like God. So Satan's goal is for you to worship him. People that identify as that we call Satanists. But Satan doesn't care if you're a Satanist. He only cares that you're worshipping anything but God. This is what he did with Adam and Eve. This is what he did with Jesus in the wilderness. He just wants you to worship anything. So if you worship anything but God, we call it idolatry. Someone say idolatry. What is idolatry? Idolatry is the worship of material representations of a deity or a God. And God warns us not to do it. Uh, Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, it says, You shall not have any other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything in heaven above or that is in earth beneath or that is the water under the earth. You shall not bow down and serve them. This is the Ten Commandments. We find this in Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5 where the first and foremost primary commandments are do not worship anything but the one true God. 
This is what we're commanded to do. This is the top 10. Do not worship anything. Someone say anything. No, you didn't say it. You're not with me. Say anything. Do not worship anything but your God. But Satan wants you to worship anything but God. This morning, we're going to expose the dark trinity of idolatry. The dark trinity of idolatry is Baal, Moloch, and Ishtar. And today, we're going to expose it. Someone say expose it. Come on, why did somebody just pray in the Holy Ghost for about 30 seconds, just real fast? This is an out of biblical order. It's out of biblical order if you're prophesying in tongues without a prayer language. But we say, Holy Spirit, no spirit, but the Holy Spirit is welcome in here. And we expose anything that tries to set itself up against the knowledge of God. I pray right now, Holy Spirit, you would lead us and guide us. I pray you would lead me as I minister. And I pray you would lead people as they listen. So we declare, speak, Lord, your servants listening. Someone shout, expose it. Who was Baal? Baal was the worship or the primary idolatry of the Bible. When you say idolatry, majority of the idolatry pointed to Baal. He was the chief deity or false god of the Phoenicians, the Semitic nations, the Canaanites, the Babylonians, and the Assyrians. His image was a bull. Baal is connected to almost all ancient peoples. When you do a deep dive of myology, you will find majority of ancient peoples have some connection to Baal. They call him different names, but it's Baal. Baal was a pagan god of sexuality and spiritual war. He was the primary god of idolatry. There's four meanings to Baal's name. The first is this god of ancient, this false god of ancient times. The second means to marry. The third is an owner, ruler, master, or husband. That's where we get the possessor. And the fourth is Lord. Baal was the storm god or the bringer of rain. Baal was recognized as sustaining the fertility of crops, animals, and people. So his followers often believed that the sexual acts performed in his temple would boost sexual prowess and and contribute to the increased fertility of their land. So let me make this simple. The more sexual acts they committed to Baal, the more fertile, fertile their land would be. The more sex they would have, the more Baal would bless them. So Baal worship or warfare was raged in morality, spirituality, politics, and culture. Let me say it again. Baal's worship raged in morality, in spirituality, in politics, and in culture. Baal worship is a form of self-worship. Baal, because you have to make the God you are worshiping. Baal was an ultimate rejection of God. Remember, Yahweh was our husband, or Yahweh was our master. God calls Israel his bride or his people his bride in Ephesians 5. So Baal is the new husband that you must divorce yourself from Yahweh to in order to marry or be the owner or Lord of Baal. See, Baal was a false god of divination, or he was the god of false prophecy. This is so important. So false prophets originated from Baal. 
We find this in Numbers chapter 21 through 24 where there was a prophet named Balaam. He's been mentioned many times this weekend. Corey Russell mentioned him. Uh, John Bevere mentioned him this weekend. And what did he do that was so wrong? He told the people what they wanted to hear because they paid him enough money. So he became the prophet to the highest bidder. So instead of saying what God told him to say, he said what people told him to say or what the image that they made up for themselves. So watch this. Anytime you are seeing, seeing false prophets or false teachers, where the heart of what they came from is, is coming out is through Baal worship. Baal worship is the worship of false teachers and false prophets. Tell us what we want to hear. The New Testament says another generation will not listen to sound doctrine. They will not be strengthened and fortified in their faith, but they will give up sound doctrine for what their itching ears desire to hear. There's over a hundred scriptures referring or warning of Baal. This is very important. Every time you hear the word Baal mentioned in the Bible, it is a warning of idolatry. It is a it is a severe warning from God of the consequences of Baal worship. We find it for the very first time in Exodus chapter 32. Exodus chapter 32 was the first visual appearance of Baal in a form of worship. Let me set this up for you in Exodus chapter 32. You can put it up on the screen. This is when Moses and Joshua are going up to uh, be with the Lord. Joshua stood and waited for Moses because he served Moses. And Moses is on his way up to Mount Sinai to meet with the Lord. What is he going to do? He's going to meet with the Lord. The Lord's going to write on his hand, with his hand, the Ten Commandments. The laws of God are the ways of God. So Moses is up in the glory of God. He's fasting with God. God is meeting with Moses, writing the Ten Commandments. As he's writing the Ten Commandments, the people of God get tired on waiting for their leader. Now, the children of Israel have been following God through Moses. Moses was the deliverer. God used him to deliver the children of Israel out of bondage of Egypt. You know the story of Egypt with the ten plagues, and then they crossed the Red Sea. Now they're in the wilderness, this God that has protected them the entire time. All of a sudden, they get tired of waiting for the God that has delivered them before, and so they decide to get their own God. Enter Baal. You see in Exodus 32, Verse 1, it says, when they saw Moses was delayed on the mountain, the people gathered themselves to Aaron and said to him, come, make us gods who will go before us. It goes on to say that in verse 4, as he received the gold from their hands and fashioned it with a grading tool, look at this, and he made a golden calf or a bale. And they said, look at this, these are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Look at this. This is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. This is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, even in the Old Testament. Blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is when you accredit to Satan what God did. God delivered Israel. And what did they say? This statue that Aaron made five minutes ago brought us out of Israel. Worship this God. It is the beginning of Baal worship. Then it turned into the largest worship service in Israel's history. As all of Israel is worshiping this false god Baal. If you go and study the story throughout Exodus, you'll see that they cut themselves. They dance sexually. Why? Because anytime you get involved with Baal worship, clothes are coming off. I'll say it a different way. When your clothes are coming off, you're probably about to get involved with Baal worship. They begin to do it. Here's what the Bible says. Moses said, you've made yourself a mockery amongst the nations. 
nation. You have turned your back on God. So watch this. As Moses is with God, God is writing with his fingers, you shall not have any other gods before me. They're making another God. This is the first time we saw it in form. And what I'll show you in a second is Baal had a cycle of returning. Where Baal would come, Baal would be addressed, and the people of God would return to Baal. You'll see it again. Where, because Baal worship was constant temptation, this is so important, for the Israelites when spiritual leaders endorsed it. I need you to hear this today. This is really important. Whenever there were spiritual leaders, and I know in, in, in the jacked up version of America, we, we have this bad understanding of separation between church and state, which is not even true. How most people try to manipulate it, that we're supposed to be political on one side and then separate our religion. But if you look throughout scripture, spiritual leaders were political leaders. So when political leaders that were spiritual leaders endorsed Baal worship, the temptation grew. Someone say, expose it. Turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30. 1 Kings chapter 16, verse 30. Here's what it says. And Ahab, son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord. Someone say evil. More than all that went before him. As it had been a little thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, he took his wife Jezebel. Someone say which the daughter of Ethbal, the king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshiped him. Watch, the king of Israel, Ahab, took a witch for his wife, and now he is serving Baal. He erected an altar of Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. And Ahab made Asherah, and Ahab, look at this, did more to provoke the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger than any of the kings before him. Why? Because here's what Ahab did. Ahab shut down the temple and he opened up a temple of Baal. So he shut down the house of God and opened up a house of Baal. Now, why is that such a big deal? Because in order for Baal to have a church service, they had to combine erotic acts of perverted heterosexual relationships, homosexual activity, prostitution, male and female prostitution, violent sexual acts, body piercing, including their genitals, body cutting, infatuation of blood, drinking and draining, prostitution, and ceremonial orgies. Baal's church was taking a church, a strip club, a Planned Parenthood, and a brothel and running them together. Reminds me of some churches you see in DFW today. But I would tell you, those are not churches. Those are houses of Baal. I'm telling you right now, this is not cultural. This is spiritual. The second member of the dark trinity is Ishtar. Ishtar was the god of perverted sexuality. In ancient biology, they believed that Baal's wife was Ishtar. Ishtar was also referred to as Ashtar, Aphrodite, Venus, Juno, or the spirit of Jezebel. She is a goddess of prostitutes. From Ishtar, we get the word porne. 
Porne is the literature of the prostitutes or where we get the word porn from. That's why in all of the ancient statues of her, she is naked. And the reason why she's naked in ancient statues is because pornography came from Ishtar. The spirit that is behind perversion came from Ishtar, but it gets worse than that. Not only did we get the word porne from Ishtar, we get uh, our word erotic from the Greek word eros, which is Ishtar in Greek form. Then she created what's known as Asherah poles, and they were used as images of pornography or perversion to worship. She was the God that dwelled in taverns. She was the ancient God of Nineveh. So you remember the story of Jonah where God speaks to the prophet Jonah to go tell Nineveh that if they don't repent, they'll be destroyed. You know, the primary God of Nineveh was, it was Ishtar. Not only that, but she was a witch. Turn your neighbor and say, witchcraft is real. This is usually the point of services where people are like, man, pastor, you're just being too harsh. You're being too mean. You're not loving. Not loving like when Jesus called Satan or Peter, Peter Satan. Not loving like when he told the rich, man, the rich young ruler to go sell everything he had. What kind of unloving? Not loving when he flipped the tables and made the wits. What part of unloving Jesus are you not talking about? Oh, you mean the truth side of it. Oh, you mean the pick up your cross and follow Jesus daily side of it. Oh, you mean, you, 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 you mean that there, there's more to this than, than, than just a moment that you had in an altar, but a lifestyle of following Jesus. Come on, are you here today? Someone say, expose it. See, witchcraft is real. And people really don't like you pointing it out. People in neighborhoods around here really don't like it. They get upset every time that we do it. Well, we have a church in Waco. Our Waco campus pastors are here this morning. Pastor Les opened up the service. We love them, honor them, and celebrate them. And the city of Waco decided to post about a local store, a local business in Waco that was a witch coven. And so on the city of Waco's Instagram, they posted about this witch shop where you can go get your tarot card reading, you can go get your spells, your potions, your incantations. They put it all there. And uh, Pastor Les said, not my city. And so for Liberty and Justice found out about it and they did a post calling the mayor that claims to be a Christian to do something about it. I mean, I feel, I feel, the, I feel wanting to go in my flesh right now. So I'm just trying to stay in the spirit. If God puts you in political office, you serve him first. And they didn't have much of a respond, but the local witch coven did. Because the day after that post went out for liberty and justice, put it up on the screen, there was a pig sacrifice that was done on the Waco church property. Someone say witch. Do you know what the name of this which was, or this, this, this coven was? Balefire. Church, witchcraft is real. 
And the source of witchcraft comes from Ishtar. Sex is a part of her witchcraft. They would dance and cut themselves in worship. Her sexuality breaks conventions. It bends sexual lines. It's rampantly ever-changing. It's an ever-changing sexuality. She is a goddess of sexual war, and her war is on purity. Ishtar is a gender bender. This is wild. In the original ancient writings, when they reference Ishtar, she was known as Baal's wife or a female goddess. But in later writings, she was referred to as a man because Ishtar changed her gender or transitioned. Not only did she transition, but she had the power to transition men into women and women into men. In fact, it was one of her strategies. So her male priests, she would transition into female priests, and then with her female priest, or her new female priests, or, or her new Enochs, they, they, they would go and do these parades of worship all throughout the streets. Church, she was a priest of transition. And do you know what one of her icons was, or one of her logos was in ancient writings? The rainbow. Ishtar worship in various manifestations of these cultic prostitution of ecstatic or uh, ecstatic prophecy. This is wild. Babylon Nebuchadnezzar II erected an elaborate gate in her honor, marking the end with the sacred processional route. This processional was known as the dance of Ishtar. I'll say it like this. They would go through the streets and dance. And as they would go through the streets and dance, they would parade through the towns worshiping Ishtar with her rainbow icons. This is wild. Second century Roman writer, Apuleius, wrote about the goddess parades. Men wearing soft clothes, eyeliner, heavily exaggerated makeup as they danced through ancient streets. This is crazy, church. She required not a day of celebration, but an entire month of celebrating her sexuality. This public sexual worship was known as Julium. St. Jerome identifies it as the month of June. She claimed one month of her own to take possession of the culture. Through the possession of the culture, she takes control of the next generation. See, the enemy's plan is to take the children out either once they're alive or before they're alive. Because this is not a cultural war. This is a spiritual war. The third god of the dark trinity is named Moloch. Moloch is the god of murder 
or ancient sacrifice or child sacrifice. Moloch or Moloch or Milcom was the god of murder and the originators of child sacrifice. We see in Leviticus chapter 20 verse 2, it says, say to the people of Israel, any one of the people of Israel or the strangers who sojourn in Israel who gives any of his children to Moloch shall surely be put to death. Moloch is referred to eight times in the Old Testament and once in the New Testament. Moloch is generally in the context of cultural cultic child sacrifices using the particular phrase to cause one's son or one's daughter to pass by the fire to Moloch. Jeremiah 7.31 says, And they built the high places of Topeth, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. This is what they used to do. They would take these altars of fire, and they would burn these altars of fire, and on the altars of fire, they would set the children that got impregnated through the orgies of Ishtar. So when uh, women would get pregnant with the babies of Ishtar in worshiping Baal and Ishtar, they would take the infant child and bring them on the altars of Molech and burn them alive. So when people are talking about how mean God is in the Old Testament, this is what he's dealing with. The God of Molech is the God of child sacrifice. It wasn't safe for a child in the ancient world. If there was any kind of defects a child could have, they could be disregarded as a whim and used for child sacrifice. We see this all throughout the Bible. We see in Exodus chapter one, excuse me, Exodus chapter one, where Moses is being born and the children of Israel were too strong. It says that as, as the children of Israel were growing in captivity, they were still being strong. Put the scripture up, please. Exodus chapter one, verse 13. And it says that Pharaoh ruthlessly dealt with them. As he ruthlessly dealt with them, he gave an order to kill all of the infants. But two Egyptian women feared God and refused to do it. Verse 16, it says, when you serve as a midwife of the Hebrew women, see that when they're on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. This was Moloch. Moloch raises his head in Matthew chapter 2. When he possessed King Herod to go after Jesus. It says this in Matthew chapter 2 verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise man, became furious. And he sent and killed the male children in Bethlehem. All in the region who were two years old and under. See, the worship of Ishtar in Molex gives birth to child sacrifice. I'll say it like this. When you worship sex, you must offer your children. And God loves his children. Matthew 18, 6 says, whoever causes one of these little ones to stumble, it would be better for him to put a noose around his neck and be a uh, millstone around his neck and be thrown into the depths of the sea. Do you know what a millstone is? A millstone is a giant boulder about half the size of your car. A millstone weighs hundreds and hundreds of pounds. Watch, this is Jesus. This is the Lamb of God. This is Grace Jesus. This is Nice Jesus. This is Gentle Jesus. Gentle Jesus is saying, it is better for you to be tied to a boulder and drown than you cause one of my little ones to stumble. How come the church is not quoting this scripture that much? It's quiet at the 1130 service. 
Proverbs 6.16 says the Lord hates hands that shed innocent blood. God hates it. Matthew 19 shows God sees his heart towards children where he said, do not hinder the children from coming to me. Watch this. When other people were not valuing children the way Jesus valued children, they, start, they tried to stop uh, the children from coming to Jesus. Jesus stopped, rebuked them, and assigned the proper value. This is wild. Watch this. The disciples rebuked parents for bringing children to Jesus. Remember that word rebuked. Anytime you see it in scripture, it always points to the word honor. So even those that were closest to Jesus did not honor children the way that God honored children. Oh, this is important. See, in order for you to love like he loves, you have to understand what he honors or what he values. Let me show you what God's word says about children and how much he values children. Luke chapter 1 verse 44. Luke chapter 1 verse 44. We'll slow down and read this one. It says this. And behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Now watch this. This is the setup. This is John the Baptist's mother, Elizabeth. She's pregnant with John the Baptist, and Mary is pregnant with Jesus. When Mary walks into the room that Jesus is, or when Mary walks into the room that Elizabeth is in with John the Baptist, the Holy Spirit began to leap in the womb of Elizabeth. John the Baptist is filled with the Holy Spirit in the womb and begins to leap with joy. About five of you get this. If you could be filled with the Holy Spirit before you're even born, it shows the value that God puts on life that's in the womb. But I got more for you. Do you know what that word Baby in Luke chapter 1 verse 44 is? It's the Greek word brephos. Brephos, put it on the screen, means this. An unborn or a newborn baby or infant. Watch this, this is wild. The Greek word for the baby in the womb is a baby in the womb. Watch. Either born or unborn. Go to Luke chapter 2. Watch this. When it talks about uh, Mary and Joseph fleeing from, from Herod. Because remember Herod's killing the babies. It says this. And the baby lying in the manger speaking of Jesus. Guess what word that is? Brephos. It's the exact same. The same word God used. Watch. To identify John in the womb. He used the same word, the same value to identify Jesus outside of the womb. I hope somebody gets this broken off you today. Watch God values the children in the womb to the same degree that he values the children that are outside of the womb. Now this is how God values how do you value? Or have you been indoctrinated by Molech? That it's just an instrument to the fire. See, God placed the same value. That's why he said to Jeremiah, 
in Jeremiah 1.5. Look at this. Put it on the screen. Before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you and I appointed you as a prophet of the nations. God is speaking to a man named Jeremiah who was known as the weeping prophet. So who was Jeremiah? Jeremiah was a man whose name meant the Lord will raise up. He was a son of a priest. He was called by God as a young boy. And when he was a prophet uh, uh, of Judah's midnight hour, he was the most despised and persecuted prophet of his era. He was opposed by people, false prophets, kings, priests. He was mocked. He was whipped. He was accused. He was threatened. He was despised. He was hated. He was rejected. He was imprisoned and he was cast into a pit. He doesn't just declare God's heart. He embodied God's heart. 160 references of God's judgment through Babylon. He gave many of them. He was an eyewitness to Jerusalem's destruction. And the reason of their destruction was the worship of Baal, Moloch, and child sacrifice. Watch this, Jeremiah 19.2. God speaks to Jeremiah, his servant. He said, go out to the valley of the son of Hinnom and the entry of the post herd gate and proclaim the words that I tell you. God speaks to Jeremiah and says, go and tell my people what I tell you to say. Here's what he said in verse four. Because the people have forsaken me and have profaned this place by making offerings to other gods, neither they have their fathers nor the kings of Judah have known. And because, look at this, they have filled this place with the blood of innocent and they have built high places of Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings of Baal which I did command or decree nor did it come to my mind therefore behold days are coming declares the Lord that this place shall be called no more the valley of Hanom, but the valley of the slaughter God takes Jeremiah and says, I want you to go through the Valley of Hinnom. The Valley of Hinnom was the place where Molech's altar was. Watch this. See, you think it's just cultural. It's not culture, it's spiritual. Because the Israel is now worshiping the gods of Baal. They're worshiping foreign gods. And when you worship foreign gods, you have to worship like they worship. And how do they worship? They worship with sexual perversion. And they worship with child sacrifice. So now Jeremiah is walking and he's seeing this valley of Hanom. But he says it's not a valley of Hanom. It's a valley of slaughter. Because he sees all of the little infant bones in this valley, an entire valley covered of baby bones where the children of Israel had been sacrificed to Moloch. And then the weeping prophet gets his name where he begins to weep over the baby bones of the valley of slaughter. See, Jeremiah had an interesting call of God on his life that the one that would weep over the child sacrifices was the one who God said I knew you before you were born see when you have a kingdom understanding you understand that this demonic attack that is on our children is Baal worship church this is not political this is spiritual so you ask this question, what would possess someone to do this? What would possess someone to transition? What would possess someone to offer their children? Church, 
It's a demon possession. This is a work of the enemy. Let me give you this caution. If it doesn't make sense, it's spiritual. And we are living in a day where the prophet Isaiah said, men will call good evil and evil good. Romans 1 calls it a debased mind where they have turned from God and now insanity runs, rules, and governs us. I'm telling you, we are in the time and season of a new trinity. It's a dark trinity. Baal is the father of false gods in idolatry. Molech is the mimic of Jesus. Instead of Jesus laying down his life, Molech is taking life. And Ishtar mimics the Holy Spirit because she is an unholy spirit. It's not a cultural war. This is a spiritual war. And America is going back to Baal. Please look at this scripture in Matthew chapter 12 with me. In verse 43, it's called the return of an unclean spirit or a return of Baal. Verse 43, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a person, it passes through waterless places, seeking rest, but it finds none. Then it says, I will return to my house from which I came. Now it's interesting, it says, I will return to my house. When one of the names of Baal means owner, some translation says owners of the house. I will return to the house in which I come. Watch this. When it comes, it finds its house empty, swept, put in order. Then it goes in bridges and it goes out and brings seven other spirits more evil than itself. And they enter and dwell there. And the last of that person, the last of that nation, the last of that region is worse than the first. Watch. And so it will be for this evil generation. Church, we have gone back to Baal. We have gone back to Baal worship and have divorced ourselves from the one true God. We are worshiping the God of worship and self-prosperity. There's even a bull icon statue in New York in the financial district that represents the God of fertility or the blessing that supposedly is on America. We've gone back to Baal. We've gone back to worshiping how the government tells us to worship instead of what the one true God tells us to worship. Church, we've gone back to Ishtar. We've gone back to the place where there was a sexual revolution in the 1960s. We've gone back to a place where we have become the number one consumer of pornography in the entire world. We've gone back to Ishtar. We've gone back to Ishtar where the month of Junium that celebrates an entire month is now what we call Pride Month. And her symbols of, ro of rainbows are now logos or identity because she's the goddess of transition. Watch. And America is transitioning back to Ishtar away from God where we've taken crosses off our buildings. We've taken crosses out of the government and we replaced it with the rainbow flag, with the trans flag as we are worshiping Ishtar. Now they parade through the streets. Men wear the same eyeliner that they used to wear in ancient times. It's not the dance of Ishtar. We call it pride parades. We call it pride months. We are seeing this transitioning. She's the one that turns men into women, women into men. All of a sudden, there's not just two genders anymore where God created man and women and he chooses. Now we get to choose. Now gender is a new made-up word that we just got in the last few decades. 
decades, it's no longer about our sex. It's about our, our, our cultural uh, orientation or it's about a social contagion that we've created. I'm just going to choose what gender I am because I worship Ishtar and she changes it for me. It's paraded in every streets in America. Small towns. I'm telling you, it's, we've gone back to Ishtar every time you see a rainbow flag that's hanging in a store. Every time you see it in a coffee shop on somebody's pen, it's back to Ishtar. It's Ishtar worship. Watch, she's transitioning a generation. She's transitioning a nation. She is taking uh, the people of America and turning it back to her. Now, women singers are now vulgar and demonstrative and male performers are effeminate and passive. And we celebrate when men wear dresses and are effeminate. We celebrate when women are militant and possessive. And when men act like men, they call it toxic. We've gone back to Ishtar. We've gone back to a place where we are worshiping sex. Oh, Holy Spirit, help us. We've gone back to Moloch because abortion is modern day child sacrifice. Abortion is Baal worship. America has demanded abortion. We demanded abortion on demand. Supreme Court in New York now has a picture a Medusa up on the courthouse steps symbolizing or celebrating the God of abortion. We are now taking items of Moloch, items of Baal. We are removing Ten Commandments. We are removing crosses. We've had 70 million babies die on the altar of Baal in America to the point where it's become normal. normal and then I come and preach to you what the Bible says and you call me political I hear it all the time I don't know if I want to go to a political church what do you want to go to Ishtar's church Molech's church or Baal's church Oh, I'm talking about our nation, but the people of God have gone back to Baal. We've gone back to Baal when sexual sin out of marriage is when you go back to Baal. When you're living with the person that you're not married to, you've gone back to Baal. When you're addicted to pornography, you've gone back to Baal. When you have affirmed someone's new gender as normal, when you use their preferred pronouns, you've gone back to Baal. When you became open and affirming, you've gone back to Baal. When when you're more concerned about offending people than honoring God's word, you've gone back to Baal. When you're more loyal to a political party than you are the word of God, you've gone back to Baal. When you have rationalized any reason whatsoever for abortion, you have gone back to Baal. This is not cultural. This is spiritual. And the church hasn't stopped Baal worship because we've participated in it. 
You'll see this cycle back to Baal over and over. Let me remind you, Baal worship rages morally, spiritually, and culturally. This war rages and attacks on righteousness and holiness through the government, through entertainment, through media, through education, and through religion. And there's constantly this cycle of God's people going back to Baal. We see it over and over and over. We saw it in Exodus with the children of Israel. You saw it in Numbers uh, with, with the false prophet Balaam. You see it with, with uh, Elijah back with, with Queen, a uh, Queen Jezebel and Ahab. You see this constant cycle with Jeremiah and the people of Israel back to Baal. This constant cycle of people constantly going from a relationship with God back to Baal. Someone shout, expose it. That was the most awkward jacket takeoff ever. There's this cycle that we go through back to Baal. And some of you are in this cycle. What's this cycle look like? Put it up on the screen. First you encounter God. In this amazing encounter with God, you give your life to God. You think you're going to serve God. Either he heals you. You experience praying for Shiloh or somebody. You have this amazing encounter with God at conference. Something takes place where you encounter God. But then something else takes place as you begin to tolerate sin. Because you do not know God or his word, you start allowing people to say things that sound good, but they're not God influence you. So now you're influenced by the indoctrination of the world. And they say stuff like, well, you just need to be tolerant, even though God's word says the opposite. Revelations 2 says that we have tolerated that woman Jezebel. Remember, she came from Ishtar. She's a goddess of Baal. Watch, he said, you have tolerated. So some people are thinking they're being good Christians when they're tolerating. But really, you are like an Ahab. You are introducing people to Ishtar worship. There is not one scripture that condones or teaches Christ followers to tolerate perversion. In fact, the opposite is preached. But when you preach the opposite, other weak Christians that are lukewarm and don't serve God call you judgmental. And they say stuff like, don't judge me. Take the plank out of your own eye. Yes, thank you, friend. Keep reading the verse. Take it out of your own eye so you can help them remove it from theirs. It's not leave it in their eye. It's don't be a hypocrite. Let's both get it out of our eyes. But here's what people are saying when they're saying, don't judge me. What they're saying is, I don't, I don't identify as a Christ follower. Let me help you. So many people don't know God's word. Scripture tells us to not judge those outside the church. But we are called to judge those inside the church. Scripture says it like this. It's iron that sharpens iron. Watch. So there's a lot of people that said, I don't want to be judged. You know what you're saying? I don't identify as a Christ follower. I'm not one that remains in the Christian community. I'm not the one that's accountable. I'm not a pupil. I'm not a one that is, is instructed. I'm not growing in my relationship with Christ. Please identify me with the world and don't judge me. Can you imagine Peter saying to Jesus, don't judge me? It's so easy for you to say it to your pastor. Oh, it's so easy. You just go to a different church for three months until you miss the worship. And then the worship pulls you in and the purging of God's word purges you out. 
Because it's so much easier to dance the dance of Ishtar. It's so much easier just to live in this cultural, political, spiritual swirl. It's so much easier. If I don't, if I don't have to stand against the enemy, I just get to walk with the enemy. We've gone back to it. It's been the cycle of toleration. What happens after you tolerate it? You begin to embrace it. What does it mean to embrace it? You call it normal. You start saying demonic stuff like babies are fetuses. And then as demonic as that is, you say ridiculous things like people that got an abortion, congratulations, and people that lost a baby, I'm sorry for your loss. Because you don't honor or value infants in the womb on outside. I'm talking to Christians today that you've been indoctrinated by Baal. You think that you're a follower of Jesus, but you know Ishtar and Molech better than you know Jesus and his word. I love you. I'm coming as a father to help you. I want to expose it. Someone shout expose it. I'm not saying you're bad. I'm saying demons are. And if you're in this lifestyle, if you've committed abortion, I want to remind you of what I said at the beginning of service, that Jesus died for you. That we love you. We're for you. Listen. Spiritual warfare is warring against, uh, warring against spirits while loving people. It's unconditionally loving people while remaining unwavering in our loyalty to God's word. If we embrace sin, we go back to Baal. You know what happens when you go back to Baal? You become an apostate. You know what apostasy is? Apostasy is an ancient word used for when, when uh, soldiers were in battle. If you went to battle with one king, in the middle of the battle you turned and began to fight against the king you came with, they would call you an apostate. And this is a type and shadow of what happens in the church. You know what apostate is? It's when you deconstruct. You know what apostate is? Is when you go woke. You know what an apostate is? Is when you go open and affirming. You begin to have to turn. That's why when you ask these people what God's word says, that's why they begin to reject God's word. That's why I talk to you about the infallibility of scripture. Because one of the greatest steps to becoming an apostate or becoming someone that has turned from God or fall from the faith is you no longer hold God's word as the highest standard. It's no longer infallible. So watch. For in order me to worship Baal, worship Ishtar, worship Molech, now I have to change God's word what happens after you go back to Baal the judgment of God the judgment of God came in numbers 21 through 24 with Baal Peor the judgment of God came in Exodus when the children of Israel worshiped the calf the judgment of God came to Sodom and Gomorrah the judgment of God almost came to Nineveh then the mercy of God came and we are living in a period right now where America is worshiping false gods we have turned our back on Baal and what's going to happen is seven worst demons are about to come in and our state will be worse than original put the timeline of America here's where we are this is what has happened in the 1960s, we had our love revolution where free sex and sleep with everything and, and, and let's experiment with sex. And then all of the psycho, evil, sadistic uh, uh, indoctrination of sexuality that your children in public schools called health class was written by a man that did uh, experiments with gay men in prisons. 
and now it's what's taught as normal in your schools. Then what had happened? They took prayer out of schools in the 1960s. Then what they do? They removed the Bible, uh, uh, the Ten Commandments from courthouses. Watch. They started removing the things of God that were in America. Then what happened next? We saw in 1973, they passed a, 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 a Roe v. Wade. There was a monument. There was an altar to Molech that was made in America where 70 million babies were, 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 were brutalized, were murdered on the altars of Baal. Then what took place? We see the, the stock market, the bull in the stock market that came and brought an icon in our nation. Then what happened? Then uh, one of our presidents that some of you voted for, because you didn't listen to the advice of Dr. King and you chose a man of the color of his skin rather than the content of his character. Ushered in gay marriage. Then, 2020, a plague came. Go study the Bible. You know how many plagues come after Baal worship? Then what happens? The church is shut down. So the church is shut down. It's illegal to sing. It's illegal to worship. They throw pastors in jail. They, 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 they torment believers. They call you evil, awful citizens. If you have church, you have to live in fear so that God's church shut down so only the house of Baal is open. Church America has gone back to this pattern and cycle. I'm telling you this, it is not cultural, it is not political, this is spiritual, and we have to break it. Someone shout, break it. Someone shout, break it. What breaks it? The anointing of Elijah breaks it. This was prophesied in Luke chapter 1, verse 27. It says, and he, John, who will go before him with the spirit of power in Elijah, watch this, to turn the hearts of a generation or fathers back to the children. Watch, if we want to see America turn back to God, we must first turn our hearts back to God. Let's go back to our story. First Kings, we're almost done. Worship team, come and join me. First Kings chapter 18 and 19, watch, there's a culture war reflecting a spiritual war in Israel. I've said this before, Ahab aligned God's people with God's enemy, and it's much like today. King Ahab married Jezebel. He made Baal worship the state-ran religion. False prophets are prophesying Baal, and true prophets have lost their job, been murdered, or hiding out. The false prophets are celebrated and the true prophets are censored, canceled, or deplatformed. Probably like this message will be this week on social media. Bill worship is a state-funded religion and it's considered normal. That's why Elijah's prophecy of no rain was such a war cry. Because Baal was the rain god. So when Elijah said it's not going to rain, he said your God will be powerless till I say otherwise. Then in 1 Kings 18, 17, the king said, there you are, you troubler of Israel to Elijah. Isn't it interesting that the ones that stand for God are called the troublemakers? Isn't it funny that I'm the unkind, ignorant, bigoted, hateful, Bible thumper? 
You're so mean. You're so intolerant. You're so, you're such a troublemaker. Can't you just keep peace? It's amazing how many of my coworkers in ministry have got uncomfortable. I get called arrogant a lot. And you're arrogant. You're prideful. Like, what did I say that was prideful? Oh, it's when you preached the Bible. Landon shot, he's so unloving. Can you, can you say the unloving thing I said? You're so hateful, can you quote the hate that I said? Oh, you mean you hate what I said. Oh, you mean you hate what God said. How do you break the cycle? Elijah showed us. Jesus told us. The prophet Malachi told us. He said, when you can turn the heart of the father to the children, to the people, watch, the heart of the children will turn to the father. Elijah prayed. I want you to see this, put up on the screen. Ha. He said in verse 21, I love this. He said to the people of Israel, if Baal is God, follow him. But if God is God, follow him. I want you to hear me today. If you want to serve a transgender God, then go serve it. But if you want to serve Jesus, then choose. If you want to serve a rainbowed religion, you can do that. But if you want to serve Jesus, you're going to have to choose. If you want to serve the church of abortion, you can go serve that. But if you want to serve Jesus, you have to choose. Church, you don't get to stay in the middle any longer. This isn't about left versus right. It's about up versus down. This is about heaven and hell. This is about good and evil, right and wrong, righteous and unrighteous. Choose this day who you will serve. Elijah prayed this prayer, put it up on the screen. He said, Lord, would you answer by fire to turn your people's heart to you. This is how you break the cycle of Baal. Wherever you are on the cycle, either toleration, if sin, embracing it, or Baal worship, you just turn to Jesus. Would you close your eyes all over this place and lift your hands? You just turn to Jesus. We hope you've enjoyed this message from Mercy Culture Church. If this podcast has blessed you, we'd like to encourage you to share it with a friend. To learn more about us, find us on social media and online at mercyculture.com.